0: Hey, Fresh Capital listeners, it's unbelievable that it's taken over two years, but here on Fresh Capital, we're finally diving into Freshworks, a software as a service business who epitomizes the Fresh Capital ethos of making things fresh and simple. Freshworks helps over 50,000 companies by building tech that makes it easy for IT, customer service, sales, and HR to do their job and delight their customers. After IPOing last year, the founders have proven the naysayers wrong and continue to build Freshworks as the next potential tech giant. Keep listening and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn about companies and investing. My name is Dan. Joining me, as always, Albert. How are you doing?
1: Damn, going good. Today's a very nice day in Sydney, which is um, a yeah, yeah, good, good change we've had the past kind of week.
0: We have had some beautiful weather. We've been out and about. I ran into you at the the Glebe markets looking at some secondhand designer t shirts as you do on your weekends.
1: Absolutely. I scored a couple of great deals actually. I actually bought this shirt. It's, uh, I thought that was new. I don't, I don't think they knew what they were selling. I'm wearing a teddy bear shirt, but this is by uh, Wu Brand, which is like a Japanese-inspired Wu-Tang Clan brand. They only made a limited run of these shirts, and they sell for like $200, $300 on eBay, and I got it for $10. And I genuinely don't think they knew what they were selling.
0: Wow. You're getting an edge everywhere in life, Albert. Very nice.
1: All about that that alpha, Dan. All about that alpha.
0: Well, tell us about the alpha we're going to be looking at today, Albert. You picked this company, Freshworks. Do you want to give a little bit of an overview for the listeners?
1: Yes. Actually, you know, before I start, I really, really love companies who just refuse to die, like founders who have the will to live and their will exceeds all the competitors who are trying to kill them. And you can see that in Freshworks. You can see it in Zoom in exactly the same way where, you know, Zoom you know, outlived a lot of its competitors who are more successful. So Freshworks uh, is an Indian SaaS business. The target's kind of small uh, to medium businesses as well as mid-market. They've got a pretty broad slate of products, uh, predominantly in the customer experience um, and ITSM space, which is like IT service management. Um, I'll get to that. And they've also now expanded into sales SaaS and marketing SaaS. Before kind of I double-click and start to talk about their product suite, I just want to quickly just bring up their um, their S1 when they went public uh, a couple of years ago, uh, where the founder talks about all the the criticism that he got from early investors. So he starts as S1. This is the document that they went public with in the US with a founder letter, very um, short kind of short poem um, about how he's feeling really good today about them going public. And then a quick paragraph that says, you can't win. Freshworks is the company that wasn't supposed to win. Whether we could differentiate ourselves in crowded markets or compete with larger players or build a global SaaS company from India, the doubts were always there and people were not shy about telling me. Over the years, I've heard it all, including, there are 600 help desks in the market, how do you expect to win? You can't find the talent in Chennai, you can't win. Microsoft just acquired Parachure, they'll put you out of business. Don't enter the CRM market, you can't win. You can't, win a global, you can't win by building a global SaaS business from India. Yet we kept our head down and focused on executing and focused on our mission. And so I'm bringing that up, Dan, because just offline, we had exactly the same conversation where you mm-hmm. said that you couldn't see how they could win. But this business has been told that consistently in its life, and here they are as a business doing about 370 mil revenue. Two of their products are doing 100 mil ARR each, which is incredible. They've gone public very recently. They're free cash flow positive. Like this to me is a huge success story and an awesome business.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great intro and that that captured me as well when I was reading their S1. I I saw that letter. Uh, I was focusing actually on the second half of it, which is sort of – Skipped over, and I think that's probably right. But you know, the idea that they're very unconventional from the beginning is what the the founder was saying. You know, they're not a Silicon Valley company, which fits in very nicely to the portfolios of companies that we look at. Our, but, you know, they're basically born and raised in in India, very much focused on solving a problem for that market, and then they just sort of kept iterating from there. You know, they were saying that they were really focusing on making a million dollars in twenty. 11 that was their big goal and then the next year after that another goal next year after that another goal so very much like a a quintessential startup story in terms of like how we sort of categorize them fit them in the box it's your i think specialty albert SaaS business they create cloud-based software solutions for businesses Um, they've got a sort of wide-ranging product suite which goes from sales crm software So recruitment tools, help desk software. So they they really have like a wide range. Albert, where do you want to sort of start off when we look at the product suite at a high level for listeners?
1: Yeah, let's just quickly talk about their product suite, all the different things they do, and then what kind of makes them, you know, a a bit stranger. So Freshdesk or Freshworks started with their first core product, which is called Freshdesk. It's like a customer experience product. So throughout like an online or omnichannel presence, uh, there's all these different touch points with a customer, whether it's like they're lodging um, an email around, you know, they're trying to understand returns or sizing. Um, they're asking about whether there's something in stock. And so each time a customer interacts with a retailer, you know, there's on the back end kind of this piece of software that tags this customer so that you as a company can see all the touch points you have as a customer. So, Freshdesk is a, a customer experience piece of software that enables retailers, uh, and I, I guess any customer-centric business, to understand all their customer interactions. So things like you know desk services, contact centers, you know messaging. When you you message like a little chat box um, on a website about sizing or need help, uh, chances are that anything that you've asked is being logged in that. Then they've got a few other products like what they call Fresh Service, which is an IT service management piece of software that lets IT organizations manage help tickets. So if you work at a big company or any kind of company at all with an IT service, you've probably got an ITSM where if your computer isn't working, your printing isn't working, et cetera, you can lodge a ticket and IT can come help you resolve that. So that's what Fresh Service does. Then they've kind of expanded into sales and marketing. So they've got fresh sales, which is a sales automation and a workflow tool. Not sure if anyone's listening to this who has actually experience in sales, but when you're running a sales campaign or a salesperson within a software business or any kind of sales-led business, um, you you basically want to try and automate a lot of your outbound sales emails. So you might get a list of target emails called leads, uh, and then you would then send all those leads emails and depending on whether those emails get replied to, you can then set up workflows so that you can automate the sales process via email, which is what Fresh sales lets you do. You can also beta test different emails. So you can write two different emails and then send them to two different cohorts and you can see which one does better in terms of replies. And then Fresh Marketer, which is like a lead generation tool. So it helps do online campaigns and marketing so that you can generate different leads. Uh, and which then you can funnel back into your Fresh Sales tool. So that's kind of a broad overview of the kind of the four core products um, that Freshworks has.
0: Yeah, I really like that overview, Albert. And you know, what i will sort of double click on is is it's very clear how they've iterated. You know, starting with Freshdesk, which is you know a helpful tool where you've got all of these customer you know refunds, etc. Uh, some are complaints, some might just be comments. You know, Albert, on our podcast, we get a bunch of emails coming through. Uh, imagine if you had a website where you were getting thousands, tens of thousands of these customer interactions coming in and helping uh, their customers, Freshworks customers, deal with that. And then you sort of move slightly into fresh service where, you know, my firm, my law firm, we've got a ticketing system where I'll send an email if my my laptop is is having issues and then that gets triaged and appropriately prioritized by that team who's, I'm sure, overrun by those sorts of issues. So you can see how like, they're slowly iterating You know, similar sort of overlap between fresh desk and fresh service. And then I think a much larger step out of their comfort zone with fresh sales. What's interesting to me, Albert, is you know they've tackled each of these problems. And I think it was good that we started with the founder level, uh, the founder note, with that sort of mindset of we're going to take a problem and we're going to take a fresh approach to it. Uh, so we're going to really make it simple and easy for our customers who predominantly are more the small business sizes so not your super large enterprises with millions and millions of customers. So if we're taking a look at like what's the constant feature, it is that fresh approach. One of the things I wanted to sort of pause on, Albert, and get your, your take on is this idea of that the promise of, of cloud has sort of failed us, which is something that the founder has said as well. That increasingly you're having to have all of these different products as a business to solve your problems. And what Fresh is trying to work towards with this suite is you can just use FreshWorks. We've got, you know, different products within our suite, but ultimately you're just going to use FreshWorks for your entire business. What's your sort of take on that? Is that a, a correct trend
1: that is happening? Yeah, so it's super interesting in that a lot of successful software businesses have been built just by the fact that they've built one product and then sold that product and then kind of expanded as they've sold that product. So, you know, a really good example is obviously Salesforce. Salesforce have their core CRM and they've just grown massively as an organization because they've just kept selling more and more of their CRM um, to more and more customers. Another example is like Workday who have their HR platform and they just sell more and more of their HR platform. Freshworks is kind of really interesting and very different in that it started with, obviously, you know, Freshdesk and FreshService, but quickly expanded into other products. So very, very different to, you know, a Salesforce where they've got one product and they're just, you know, once they've kind of built out that product, they're just out there optimizing for sales and marketing. Um, Freshworks starts with that core thesis of, like, cloud has failed us. And when uh, G, you know, the founder and CEO um, talks about that, he really talks about how the processes and the sales motions and how these large software companies treat their customers isn't geared for smaller businesses. Like it's very hard to implement and migrate software across to, say, a Salesforce or Oracle. Like they're just fundamentally not set up for a small business and the sales cycle is not fundamentally set up. The pricing is not fundamentally set up. And so the small businesses and, and mid-market businesses are, are really missing out on high-quality software or at least usable software because those processes aren't geared up. And so they've really found this niche in, in catering for small to medium-sized businesses and then kind of pushing upwards into mid-market and enterprise now with what they call like easy-to-use, fresh software.
0: So, I mean, that really makes sense to me. That resonates with me where you've got an idea of a really big enterprise corporation like a Salesforce, like an Oracle, and even a Microsoft to a certain extent. You've got a real core product which you're selling out to these customers, and ultimately your sales pitches, uh, we've already got all these features come on board. You're not really changing your product to fit your customer. You're trying to convince your customer that they need your product. And Freshworks is probably coming at it from the other end where they're really trying to say, well, what is the problem that our customer is dealing with? And now we're going to provide the product which really matches up with it. And so I can see why they're so much more popular with the long tail of smaller businesses, Albert. What I'm curious about, because you you mentioned this on our last podcast, you know, there's 10,000 SaaS businesses, you know, just going at it every couple of months. What is it that made Freshworks actually become one of those SaaS businesses that really got sort of traction and really succeeded in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to kind of two, two things. The first is, you know, being very deliberate about which part of the market they Attract and and push into, so they're they're very very deliberate about SMBs, which you know they call 250 or fewer employees, and then mid market, which is 250 to 5,000. It's pretty funny when you think about mid market being 5,000 because that's like the largest company in Australia or like one of the largest companies in Australia is 5,000. Just goes to show how 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 different the US is to to Australia, and then based on those kind of segments. Um, and and enterprise as well, which they play in Um, very being very deliberate about how they service those customers. So say for a Salesforce, Salesforce is a really difficult product to onboard customers onto, to migrate data onto, and then to, to sell. Like you've got salespeople selling Salesforce. And so, because you have to pay someone to sell Salesforce, you've got to pay someone to configure Salesforce and onboard everyone and teach everyone how to use it. It's not really geared for a small business who can't necessarily afford Salesforce. So Salesforce really focuses their efforts on like really large markets and really large customers who can pay premium for that product. But that's left a big hole in the market for a company like Freshworks to attack. But similarly, they can't just pay someone and kind of service this market um, because Salesforce is doing They've had to gear their product and gear their go-to-market in a completely different way. And so they've really relied on what they call product-led growth, which is when the end user makes the buying decision. So instead of getting a salesperson to sell a product to someone, the end user actively decides I'm going to purchase this product rather than someone telling me. So the user wants to buy it rather than they're being told to buy it which reduces the sales cycles completely. It also means that if you've got a user buying it and self-serving, that they've got to configure the product. So that's really easy to use and really easy to onboard. And so they've integrated this mindset of like a really simple product to learn to use and to onboard with a really simple product of how you actually purchase that. And, you know, you can go to Freshworks and just download and buy um you know, they're their software, you can't do that with a lot of enterprise software.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to just give some colour to the the size of customers that they're dealing with, you know, this is 2021, so off their S1 numbers, over 50% of their annual recurring revenue, ARR, is from customers with more than 250 employees, which means, you know, obviously the other 50% are those smaller customers. And then out of there, they've got about 20,000 customers only about a bit over 1,000 of them were actually doing more than $50,000 ARR. So the vast majority of their customers are paying considerably less on an annual basis, You know, much more on that sort of smaller side of things. And as you were sort of talking through their approach, Albert, it really reminded me of our Atlassian episode because the, the fundamental premise of, of that episode and, and how Atlassian came up was being product-led the idea that for so long their sales department was basically just like their website, come download our product, we're product-led, the product's going to do all the talking. Do you see those sort of parallels with Freshworks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're very, very similar businesses, not only from like a sales perspective, you know, from the focus on uh, who the customer is and who the buyer is. So in traditional software sales, the person who uses the software is different to the buyer. And when I say the buyer, like the actual person in like procurement or legal or whatever, who signs off on all the documentation and says, yes, you can, you know, buy the software the person to finance. But when you can just literally download the software yourself and try it and use it, the end user becomes also the buyer. And both Atlassian and FreshWorks have taken that approach in that they're selling to the end user, not selling to the buyer, which really shortcuts sales cycles. That's one key parallel. And the second is like, again, both Freshworks and Atlassian are like product suite businesses rather than product businesses. And so when I say product suite, you know, Atlassian has like Trello, Jira, Bitbucket. It's got all these kind of different products that serve as different customer needs uh, as part of their like Atlassian ecosystem. And Freshworks does exactly the same thing. I wanted to, to double click on that, Albert, because one thing
0: which I was a little bit not skeptical, but, you know, it just sort of came to mind, you know, when we talked about the failure of cloud, you know, one of the promises of cloud was you'd be able to do everything all in one sort of place. It's all on the web. You're not dealing with hard drives, portable disks, those sorts of things. Uh, And in one sense I can understand how if I'm with Microsoft, if I'm with Atlassian, I'm using different products, but it's all within a sort of a cohesive suite. But in my head I'm still also thinking, you know, I am using different products. It's not like this is a one-stop shop. I'm opening one application. You know, it, it's multiple applications that we're using. Is that, you know, is that an issue or is that just something that we as consumers are getting better at just upskilling our comfortability with using different applications, different products for a particular purpose? And if that's so, is there then still that advantage of being under one umbrella? Is there really that much of a difference between using Salesforce for one thing and Monday for another?
1: I mean I mean the answer to the question is like it always it depends right it also depends on like the customer persona and so if you're selling to like a technical buyer or a technical user they care about best in breed so they care about what is the best product for this particular use case and that's that's true for a lot of engineers and so that's why Atlassian is so popular with like the developer community and why GitHub is so popular with the developer community because their buyers, technical talent, developers, engineers, etc., they all care about best in breed. But that's not necessarily true for other buyers. Like other buyers really care about what is a product that is simple to use, that is fun to use, that's kind of like delightful and easy product to use. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be what has the best features or what can process things fastest. Because very rarely does that actually make a difference to how people think and interact with a product day to day. It's like, do I actually enjoy using this product? And that's what Freshworks kind of built their core thesis and development around. It's like to answer your question, it doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily better whether to have a suite or an ecosystem of products versus like standalone products that customers want to use. It's about understanding based on my customer set what do I want them, what, what do they want to use and what do they want out of a product versus what am I building? Because, again, like an engineer doesn't care about whether something's easy to use. And they're going to put up with it if it is best in breed. But that's not necessarily true for, say, like, you know, a salesperson who doesn't have time to be clicking all these different things and configuring something. They just want something that works and that works really well. Yeah, that actually
0: reminds me a lot. I'm looking at my MacBook Pro at the moment. When I was making the decision to buy it, you know, there was obviously a lot of stats about the, the specs and how it can work and all of that sort of thing. But ultimately, I think the main thing that ticked me over was I just kind of liked the interface for Mac a little bit better than Windows. It felt less cluttered. So I'm definitely in that camp of, you know, simplicity is best. Albert, where do you want to pivot to with the conversation?
1: I mean, uh, sorry, this is a side note, but like Mac is, uh, Apple's kind of in, in this weird mix where they almost are best in breed. Like the the new M1 MacBooks are really nice to use and they're like one of the best in up top products. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably worth talking about how they've been performing because I think this is a really good business, but it's a very like SaaS heavy metrics business that's probably worth talking about deeply to understand how this business operates. And so, you know, we talk about Freshworks as like this business that sells to SMBs. They've got over, you know, 50,000 customers, which is a lot of customers. They're making about 370 million revenue, pretty strong performance, 80% gross margins, which is, you know, what you'd expect from like a pure play SaaS business and they're free cash flow positive, which is really good. It means everything in the business is working for them. I think what's really important to call out here though on their customer base is that their customers spend more money every year on Freshworks. So, because they start with, you know, the end user using this product or buying it self-serve, you know, they start at a very, very small revenue base, which is why they have such a long, like a really long tail of customers who don't provide that much revenue. But over time, they expand their kind of presence and usage in a customer. So in their kind of latest hand report, they go through different case studies. Like the first is like a international wholesaler. They've kept this anonymous, but ARR for that customer started at, you know, less than 5K and over a five year period, it grew from 5K ARR and went a hundred X. So, you know, that's a really, really great result. Again, they've got another one where they've got a FinTech business. It starts with 10 agents, like 10 users. And then over time, over like a four or five-year time, they've now grown over to a 1,000 agents, and now they're using you know multiple of their products from fresh desk to service to sales, now generating about 250K ARR. So it's a very classic like product-led uh, sales motion and expansion in that they start from a really, really low base and then continuously expand in terms of revenue. So how that plays out for this business is here's a really good example. Um, uh, in, you know, 2019, they had about 500 customers generating more than 50K ARR. Now, in June last year, they doubled that to 1,100 customers. If you can believe that they would continuously double that or, you know, even, you know, double that every three years, you can really see how this business kind of exponentially grows at the kind of J-curve you want because they've, they've spent really low investment acquiring these customers. They've built a product that everyone really likes to use because everyone really likes to use that. People expand their usage of that product. And so more and more people use it and then revenue grows. So this long tail of customers who are only generating, you know, like $5,000 for them, in two or three or four years' time, they're going to be worth 10, 100x uh, revenue. And then once you have a critical mass of customers now, which they do, they've got like 50,000 customers, you can really see how this business grows from, you know, 300, 400 mil to like 1 bill to 2 bill to 10 bill in exactly the same way Atlassian has done. Yeah, I wanted to focus on this one because this is one which I'm probably a bit
0: more skeptical of just because I, I don't have the, I guess, maybe familiarity, but also the risk profile or comfort with some of the tech companies that you do, Albert. And, you know, one comparison which I know, different, not a SaaS business, but you know, if you look at something like um, Zip or like uh, Afterpay, they also had this you know, fantastic acceleration of the amount of customers, et cetera, that they're acquiring. They'd enter a new market. They, I think, probably had a bit more of a marketing spend than a company like Freshworks at the moment. But there's, to me, that sort of tension of at what point, Do they get the easy runs on the board? And should you actually expect a deceleration? And then it's like you're in the hard years of really trying to grind your customers out, really competing with incumbent players and newcomers as you become incumbent and you have new starters coming up behind you, competing with you. How do you see Freshworks as a SaaS business dealing with those dynamics?
1: I think you're talking about kind of two different things. And so Freshworks last year acquired... Um, you know, a, a pretty large amount of customers. And so of those customers, the majority of them spend less than $5,000. But say in, in three or four years' time, as usage increases in that customer base, the revenue from those customers goes from $5,000 to ten, dollars to twenty, dollars to fifty, dollars to two hundred and fifty, dollars etc. And so Freshworks has already acquired that customer. They're really not doing anything to grow their presence in those customers. The people who are using the product are advocating internally for Freshworks and the use of that product. And that's led to an expansion in that revenue. So now they're like grinding out for new customers. What Freshworks hopes is that you've got their users advocating internally. And you can see that in kind of their annual results where their net dollar retention. So this is like the amount of revenue that they start with at the start of the year. And then the amount of revenue that they end with at the start of the year, at the end of the year. And if your net dollar retention is more than 100%, it means your customers are spending more money in your product. If your net dollar retention is less than 100%, it means your customers are spending less money in your product. So the fact that their net dollar retention is more than 100%, it means their ARR is growing from their existing customer base, which shows that their land and expand theory is working out really well. And and again, you can see that because they track this by like, cohort in the annual reports as well for all their customers who start in like a particular year say 2014 2015 2016 you know they've increased the revenue they've received from those customers even accounting for churn
0: yeah and an interesting one on churn i was just looking that up at the moment i don't think they've got they put out specific numbers on their churn but they have made comments so the ceo g has has made comments that they're, at the moment, given the sort of current economic environment, they're seeing more churn at the lower levels of your of their customer base, which you'd expect. You know, we're talking about small, medium-sized businesses with less than 50 employees. But as they sort of go up the chain to the mid-market and enterprise customers, really not getting that same level of churn, which I think goes to your point, Albert, is that they're hoping over time they're moving up that value chain They're getting customers that are sticky, that are advocating internally for the product, and then that's going to be a a growth engine for them. But I I think just to return to my question now, but I'm taking that answer to sort of mean they don't have to focus too much on the acquiring side of things because they've got more of a land and expand approach. Do you think that's right? Or they do have to sort of chew gum and walk at the same time? They They have to be successful at both to be successful overall.
1: I mean, of course you have to be successful at both because otherwise you've just got like 50,000 customers who are paying five grand a month. It's like obviously not not great. Um, but again, because they are, you know, as they say, like product-led, they're generally pretty light touch kind of where, you um, the know, their sales motion is that they've done really well to grow and expand. Like this is a company that's getting thousands of customers a year. Like that's a lot of customers um per year and you can only do that when they're around that's like
0: five thousand dollars each
1: oh for sure for sure but it's not about what they are now it's as this business and the usage scales what is it going to be and you can see that that historically that's happened and so the question is like do you believe that's going to continue to happen or do you believe that for some reason they're no longer going to be able to expand In their customer base and I believe that they're going to continue to expand within existing customers in the same way that they've had done for like the last you know 10 years yeah
0: yeah Uh, one thing I'm interested Albert you know we obviously talk about the Asian perspective of our companies quite frequently most of I'm fairly sure most of Freshworks customers are in the US that's right yep yep so
1: 80% US and Europe
0: what do you think the reason that they're not sort of trying to look at the India play? Obviously, they're based in India. Do you have any thoughts just on sort of the the expansion opportunities for Freshworks?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, there's probably a couple things in that. Like, to, to I mean, to build a really, really global business, like you, you do have to be in multiple geographies. And it's not to say that you can't build a great, you know, SaaS business from India. There's obviously a very large market size there. But it comes down to a couple of things. The first is like maturity of customer. And so in the US and in Europe, all of the customers there, a lot of organizations are familiar with using sales automation, right? They already have mature sales processes. They have mature, you know, e-commerce. And so that they need an omni-channel customer interaction software to track touch points. But with a country like India, some of that stuff is mature in places and some of it's immature so that your customer itself isn't necessarily the right fit yet for the product that you're selling because you might, they might just be too early or too immature in the cycle. So it also comes down to like how mature is a customer? Like there's no point trying to sell like sales marketing software to a company if they don't have a sales motion or if they don't have like sales people or if they don't have like a large target market. and they don't have processes. And it just so happens that the US and Europe are a lot more mature with those company processes.
0: Mm. What do you want to turn to as we sort of finish up, Albert?
1: Look, I think it's probably worth doing um, probably like an East versus West comparison. I know that we've talked about like Atlassian. Um, Was there kind of anything else, Dan, that kind of you, you drew your eyes on?
0: No, I mean, we were talking off the pod, I was mentioning sort of Adobe, not so much as a comparison, but just, you know, when I think of some SaaS products, I really think of Adobe as the gold standard. And what I was sort of discussing with you, Albert, was one of the defining features of Adobe, as it's looking forward, is that they're changing their product to really suit some trends. And one of those trends that we see is everyone is becoming a content creator. And so they need to make their product simpler or at least slim down more simplified for users to access it in the way that Canva is accessing that audience. And in the same way that Freshworks is simplifying certain applications uh, that Salesforce and others have been dominating over the years. So I think that Freshworks is sort of on a particular trend in that sort of taking a fresh approach to things. What I'm curious about, which is why I sort of use the Adobe analogy, is I, I'm trying to think of what their sort of sustainable edge is going to be, you know, because if you take a fresh approach, that that's great, but I'm really trying to cement down what, in my view, is the defining sort of thing, whether it be proprietary or not, that's going to separate them from the pack of SaaS companies coming after them.
1: Yeah, I think, are you thinking about, like, is there a feature or or something that like what's their like silver bullet? like what do, what are you after? What are you looking for? Well, as an
0: example, if we look at Atlassian using that example again or even sticking with Adobe, I think they kind of had one core product. And if your approach is land and expand, having a best in class core product, I think is a silver bullet. I think that is a competitive edge because you've you've almost got a surefire way to get in the door of these customers and i you know i haven't done enough comparative review to understand is freshdesk is uh any of the other applications that freshworks have are they best in class to the same extent that they can get in the door of these customers to land and expand
1: yeah i mean i i i don't necessarily think you, nec- you need to be best in class like there is and what does even best-in-class mean, like, in, in a product business? Does it mean oh, you the know best features? There's, there's no.
0: Photoshop and then there's everyone else. Like, that's the kind no. of thing I'm talking
1: about. But, but I think, like, Photoshop is great for a particular subset of users and then Canva is obviously, like, best-in-breed for a very specific subset of users, right? Like, Canva as a product is geared for, you know, small business, super easy onboarding, right? Like, I can go to Canva right now and make a logo in one minute. Like, that's like a really short time to value. It's really, you can't do that in Adobe. And so So if you look at it.
0: Because if you look at Canva, you know, they're thinking about expanding into products that like Microsoft have with Microsoft PowerPoint, Canva's trying to get into that. And the reason they can is because their core product is so good, it gets them in the door. Like, I, I think it's the same sort of comparison.
1: But I think what you're talking about is it's so good for a particular subset of customers, and that's yes. also true for Freshworks. In that okay. their core product is so good for SMB, mm. that, that that's that's what it is. That's why this this business is surviving. In that it's geared like selling to SMB is really really hard, and so the reason why Freshworks exists right now is that they've earned the right to exist by be- being the business that sells to SMB in the US and Europe. And like, again, it is really, really hard to sell to 56,000 customers. That is a lot of customers you need to win to. So when you talk about, do they have this magic feature or whatever, uh, like, you know, this best in breed product, it's not that they've got a, a product or a feature, it's that they've configured the company, the product, the organization, the staff, to service a particular customer set that no one else has managed to do at scale, and that's what makes them successful, and not because they've got a super easy product. Because Canva is exactly the same, is that they've got a really easy product to use, but they've configured their business such that that's going to hold true indefinitely. Like they don't have hordes of salespeople trying to sell Canva to me. Right? They're, they're relying on other people to be advocates for Canva. They're, they're relying on. You know, marketing touch points, they're relying on time to value and that it's really easy to onboard. And so that's their silver bullet, Freshworks. It's analogous to Canva, but they just play in different product spaces. Nice. Do you want to go final verdicts, Albert? Look, I think this is a really, really great business. Like, you know, it's all all the things that you want to see. I think the, the key hesitancy for anyone is playing in the tail but you know they've already done that they've won the customer base they're pushing up marketed to mid market into mid-market. and to enterprise they're expanding you know they're free cash flow positive you know i think there's a really easy to believe path from how they go from you know 400 million in revenue to 4 billion in revenue like to me it's really easy to see how they're going to 10x their revenue so i think it's great oh that is a bold claim albert uh, yeah i'm i don't think i'm quite there yet i i
0: really like that conversation actually about Canva because I think that sort of cemented in my mind, yes, a pathway forward for them. I think they have hit on a trend which other software businesses have been really successful at, which is, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess um, sort of democratizing certain verticals by really simplifying products. And I think that's something that a lot of companies have been successful with and is a bit of a tailwind across um, different verticals. My, I just there's something about them which I don't I, I would really love I think to have a bit more time to do a full competitor set analysis with them because without understanding I think the strength of some of their competitors how they're stacking up against them there's something just inherent in their business approach which I don't find uh, an edge in I just don't see how they're going to win compared to someone else and maybe the answer is that they actually are winning already they've got those edges uh, without that sort of competitor set analysis, I can't take that leap of faith with you, Albert.
1: Well, I think it, how do you define winning? What are they winning against, right? And so, like, for me, we talked about Moat at, uh, before we started recording, Well, like, competitive advantage. To me, competitive advantage is two things. First is, like, comparative advantage. It's, like, for a defined customer set, are you better than all those competitors? And the answer for Freshworks is, like, yes. And then, like, an absolute competitive advantage is that for every dollar you invest into the business, is it returning positive returns? And the answer is yes, because they're free cash flow positive. So to me, when I look at this business, it is like a really strong, highly competitive business.
0: All right, Albert, What's your? you said you can easily see a time horizon for it to 10x. Let's put your money where your mouth is, $10. How long before you reckon 10x? And we'll revisit Uh, this.
1: You know... Maybe, maybe I'm going to say seven, five to seven years. I reckon five to seven years.
0: All right. I mean, there's like back
1: of the envelope math. If you, if you would say like 10% of their customers each year, 10 X their revenue.
0: November, 2029. I'm putting, I'm putting in the calendar, Albert. And when we record then we'll bring it up and we'll, we'll see how we're doing.
1: I was going to say, I mean, we've got maybe like a minute or so, but like what, what do you think of Notion? Because Notion follows exactly the same playbook. I don't necessarily think Notion has an amazing feature that it has going for it. Um, in fact, it's like a light version of a lot of other pieces of software.
0: It is, and in some senses I actually think Notion is actually kind of complicated. Um, I don't think it is as simple as as it could be. Yeah. Um, It just goes back to what we think, what is success? Like, you know, I think you put the standard out there, which is you think they're going to 10x their revenue, which is one definition of success. Do I think Freshworks is still going to be around? I think in some form or another, if not, they just sort of get acquired and the founders can ride off to the sunset with a happy pay package. There's no sad ending, I think, with Freshworks. Uh, But are they going to become one of those, you know, billion-dollar companies billion dollar annual returns on their their revenue Uh, i don't know about that
1: i guess we'll find out in five to seven years
0: we will we will so on that note albert let's finish up there thank you for listening to the fresh capital podcast a podcast about companies investing and i guess silly bets uh told in a refreshingly simple way thanks again and we'll catch you next week Thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn how companies operate and how investing works. Just a reminder, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Fresh Capital are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Any opinions expressed in the show are not recommendations or advice. Please consult a licensed financial professional before you jump in. As always, we look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.